Let's, let's turn together to the book of Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. We're going to be back and forth to different spots in Proverbs, but let's start here. Proverbs chapter 18, I'm going to read verse 24 for us this morning. If you want to use the Bible in front of you that's in the pew, it's on page 541. Proverbs 18 on page 541. Proverbs 18, verse 24, says this. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We're continuing our study in the book of Proverbs today, and today we're focusing on what the book of Proverbs teaches us about friendship. We've laid the foundation of what it means to be wise. We've seen that it it means that we fear the Lord, that we trust him, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But now we've been carrying that to specific topics that Proverbs highlights. So we've seen topics like work, family life, and today we're doing friendship. And as soon as you hear me say, today we're going to talk about friendship, you may think, are we all in preschool right now? It, It can seem like a childish topic. It can seem like something that, you learn about on Sesame Street or Daniel or Mr. Mr. Rogers or his modern protege, Daniel Tiger, might teach you about that. But this topic is actually more important and more necessary than we think. There's a book that I would highly recommend to all of you. Uh, it's by a guy named Drew Hunter. It's called Made for Friendship. And he says this in his book about friendship. He says, friendship is for many of us one of the most important but least thought about aspects of life. One of the most important, but least thought about aspects of life. We we don't think a lot about friendship because we assume we understand it. Someone taught us about friendship as a kid, and you share your toys with your friend, you try to speak kindly to your friend, you invite your friend to come over to your house and play, and that's what it means to be a good friend. But actually, as an adult, our understanding sometimes and our purpose in friendship stays in childhood, and sometimes what that turns into is some of our most high-quality friendships stay in our childhood. And we don't think about what it means to be a faithful friend no matter what age you are. We just assume we understand it. And for most of us, it's kind of like breathing. For, for most of us, you're not sitting there right now thinking, okay, breathe in. Right now, breathe out. Okay, breathe in. And when you walk about your day, when you're going to the store or you're, you're going out to eat, you're not saying, okay, breathe in, don't forget to breathe out. You just assume your, your body does that for you. And the same, we do the same thing with friendship. We just assume that it's happening and that we all know what we're doing. And if we do think about friendship, our default is to think about more about what kind of other friends people are to us. We know a good friend or a bad friend when we experience it, but we don't always think about what kind of friend we are to other people. The reason this is an important topic is because God's word talks about it. And God's word talks about it because there is a lot at stake in our friendships. It may seem like an optional issue, but it's actually an essential issue, and it's because of this. 
that our friendships are a mark of our faith. Our friendships are a mark of our faith, good or bad. Our friendships are one of the ways that faith in the Lord or lack of faith in the Lord shows up. So what I'd like to do is walk through this in three movements. And we're going to cover various verses from Proverbs. But but the first place we're going to start is this, the beginning of true friendship. If our friendships are a mark of our faith, then we need to understand where we even start in thinking about this. The beginning of true friendship. And the reason I want to start here is because as we journey through the book of Proverbs, it's really important that we stay anchored to the big picture of the book. It can be easy as we jump into these themes to just all of a sudden think it's just some practical life hack type deal, but it's not that. As we move into themes like work, family life, and now friendship, this is not turned into just good advice or pleasant suggestions. All of this is deeply rooted in the Lord. And we know that because of the way the book started. You don't have to turn here. We covered this verse a few weeks ago, but I'll read it to you. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, this is the banner, this is the heading over the whole book because it comes up multiple times. And he says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So wisdom comes from fearing the Lord. And to fear the Lord is not to see him as dangerous, but to see him as glorious, to see him in light of all that he is, and then in response to that, to shape every part of your life around who God is and around what God says. And because this is the banner over the whole book of Proverbs, what it tells us is it tells us that God made the world and that he made the world to work a certain way. He made the world with a specific design, and we fear him, we live wisely when we live in the way that lines up with how God made the world. This is why we have been saying wisdom is following God's word in God's world. Because we know our God has created it and he's woven together specific, a specific fabric of how life is to operate. So what that means is that all these short sayings that you see, once you get to chapter 10 in Proverbs and go forward, all these short sayings, all these commands that come, They all flow out of having a relationship with God who rules the world and created the world. So how does this connect to friendship then? How does that big understanding connect to friendship? Well, it means that our understanding of friendship can't start with us. It starts with God. Our understanding of friendship doesn't start with immediately saying, okay, what kind of friend am I? What kind of friend do I have? It starts with who is God? At the very beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, we're introduced to God as the creator. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And as he's creating the world, we hear God say this monumental phrase, this foundational phrase. And it has everything to do with how you and I think about friendship. It it comes in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. The Lord says this. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. How you and I think about friendship starts with that sentence. Let us 
make man in our image after our likeness. Here's why I say our understanding of friendship starts with that sentence. Number one is because it shows that friendship began with God. It didn't start with us. Friendship began with God. Because you'll notice in that verse, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. He doesn't say, let me make man in my image after my likeness. He says, let us make man in our image after our likeness, referring to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who exist in an eternal bond of loving and joyful and perfect friendship. Our God is a God of friendship. Friendship began in heaven. Friendship began in eternity past. But then he says, let us make man in our image. Meaning that our friendships are part of what it means for us to be made in the image of God. Being people who need each other is part of what it means to be made in the image of God. You and I were not created to live isolated lives. That goes against the image of God. One author said this, that friendship is not something we made up, it's something we were made for. So friendship didn't come from a sociologist, friendship doesn't come from an awesome preschool teacher. Friendship began in the heart and mind of God and has created it for us to be seen as his people. This is why our friendship is a mark of our faith. Friendship is essential for life because God wove it into who we are. God wove it into how the world works. So we fear the Lord and we live wisely when we embrace this design. But what does that look like? Does it just mean after today we all walk out in the lobby and we say, hey, do you want to be my friend? Yes. All right. We obeyed the sermon today. That was awesome. Let's go home. Let's go eat lunch. I think there's a little bit more to it than that. And that's where I think we're going to look next and see from a couple different verses in Proverbs the character of true friendship. Not all friends are created equal. Not all friendships are created equal. There's a specific character of true friendship that God puts before us in the book of Proverbs. Because friendship is a gift from God and it's meant to reflect God, it should look a specific way. And the book of Proverbs teaches us that there are certain characteristics that should be seen in our friendships. And we're going to highlight three. There's many more we could see today, but we're going to highlight three. We're going to see that true friendship is crucial, and we'll go through each of these. It's crucial, it's faithful, and it's thoughtful. Crucial, faithful, and thoughtful. And we're going to look at a lot of different verses. But let me say this before we jump into any of them. As we look at these, we shouldn't first think of the friend we, friends we hope to have. We should first think about the friend we are called to be ourselves. So don't hear these three things and immediately start evaluating all your friends. Hear these three things and immediately start evaluating the kind of friend you are to your friends. So first thing, that first characteristic is that friend, true friendship is crucial. Crucial. And we're going to see this in Proverbs chapter 13. Turn, turn there with me. Proverbs chapter 13, just a few chapters back from where we were in 18. We're going to come back to that verse in chapter 18 in just a little bit. 
Proverbs chapter 13, and let's look together at verse 20. Proverbs 13, verse 20. It says this, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I say true friendship is crucial because you and I are shaped by our friendships. Who you are, partly, a big part, comes from the friends you have. Your community shapes your character. It's unavoidable. It's not a question of if you were shaped by your friends. It's a question of how you're shaped by your friends, who your friends are forming you to be. It's, it's a cliche saying that, that you, they've likely heard of, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. But it's true. The people that you put most closely around you are the people that help guide the path of who you are and where you go. And he says here, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So if we surround ourselves with friends that fear the Lord and trust him, that will lead us to fear the Lord and trust him. If we surround our peop- ourselves with people who don't trust the Lord, who, who don't care about his word, we will follow their example. Now, this does not discount the importance of people who've trusted in Christ befriending people who don't know Christ. That's important, just different passage of the Bible. But the point here in verse 20 is that your closest friends are either leading you to walk in wisdom or leading you to walk in folly. Your closest friends are either growing your faith in the Lord or hindering your faith in the Lord. Just as important, are you the kind of friend who strengthens others' faith in the Lord, or do you weaken others' faith in the Lord? And you may say, well, I don't like go to my friends and say, why are you reading your Bible? That's so lame. I don't go to my friends and say, you should never go to church. Well, but do you go up to your friends and say, hey, man, is there anything specific I can pray for you about this week? You go up to your friends and say, How's your relationship with the Lord going? And I know that's awkward, but a lot of times being a good friend is just embracing the awkwardness of saying and asking hard things. So there's no neutral here. We're either helping each other walk with the Lord or helping each other walk away from the Lord. Well, then maybe we just isolate ourselves from each other and we just become whoever we choose to be. Well, that's not a good idea either. Look with me at Proverbs chapter, back to chapter 18. A few pages back to chapter 18. And we like to believe that we are just whoever we choose to be, but that's not really how it is. When you're young and you're a kid, you are mostly who you are because of your family. And once you get out of your family's house, you are mostly who you are because of your friends. And Proverbs 18 shows us the foolishness of just thinking, well, I'll just kind of separate myself. Proverbs 18, verse 1, the very beginning of the chapter. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. If you and I pull ourselves away from true friendship, either through just being withdrawn or through being a divisive person, we're kicking against the way God made us. 
we're, we're turning our back on not just people, but on who the Lord has created us to be and how he's created us to live. We can't be who God has created and called us to be on our own. We need friends. We need wise, godly friends. It is crucial. Second characteristic that I want to highlight is true friendship is faithful. True friendship is faithful. And as we go through this, just as an aside for a second, it would be helpful and beneficial for you, as I describe a good friend, if the Lord brings a person to mind that has been this kind of friend for you, write their name down, thank the Lord for them, and then shoot them a text or a note or something this week thanking them for the kind of friend they've been to you. The kind of friend I'm describing is a rare find. We should all strive to be this. So second characteristic is faithful. Look with me. You might not even have to turn a page, but just at Proverbs chapter 19. I want you to see the opposite of this first, the how not to be a faithful friend, and then we'll see how to be a faithful friend. Chapter 19, verse 4. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. Jump down to verse 6. Many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. All a poor man's brothers hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? There is a kind of friendship that exists only when there's something in it for you. I talk to you because you, give, you can give me something I want. I hang out with you because you can connect me to someone I want to know. I'm friendly to you because it makes me feel better of my, about myself that I know you and you know me. But this is consumer-minded friendship. This is approaching people the way you research something you're going to buy on Amazon of what's going to be best for you. This is fair-weather friendship, and fair-weather friendship is not true friendship. God calls us to a better kind of friendship. Not to do this kind of friendship of, okay, what's in this friendship for me? Aren't you so thankful the Lord didn't think that way? We'll come back to that. But a better kind of friendship, and we see this back in chapter 17. Back in chapter 17. Listen to the way a friend is described here. We'll think about this together. Chapter 17, verse 17. We just saw that a guy who gives gifts and is generous and wealthy, he has a lot of friends. They're not real friends. Here's a real friend, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. The truth of this verse is this. He's saying, he's actually saying that a friend that loves at all times is better than a brother who's with you in a hard time. And this, is, this might not sound huge to us, but in this culture, that's a really huge statement. This culture was much more family-oriented, family-centered than our culture. Our culture is more individualistic. So to say this is a massive statement. And here's what he's saying. That a good family member will be there for you when times get tough, but that good family member might not like you. 
You've experienced this. Not everyone gets along perfectly in a family. You don't get to choose your family. But a friend, a good, true friend, chooses to love you at all times. Chooses to be there for you in good times and bad times, in ordinary everyday stuff and out of the ordinary seasons of life. So I want you to see from this that true friendship brings something into my life and your life that family love can't bring, that romantic love can't bring. There's something unique that friendship contributes to your life that you can't have without it. And a different angle of the same truth is the verse we read at the beginning, back in chapter 18, verse 24. Chapter 18, verse 24, this is the one we read at the very beginning of the sermon where it says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That word sticks right there is used in other places in the Old Testament to, and is translated as cleave. Being committed to a person out of love for them. One friend, he's saying, that sticks is better for your soul than 50 friends that don't. True friendship is not found in numbers of friends, but in faithfulness of those friends. And this pushes against every way we're taught to think about friendship through social media and and things like that today. Friendship is not about how many friends do you have. He's saying it's better to have a small number of really good friends than a big number of just fair-weather friends. True friendship is not about quantity, it's about quality. And Drew Hunter, in that same book I referenced earlier, Made for Friendship, he summarizes this faithful friend this way. We often learn, hear this, we often learn how strong our friendship is when we don't have anything to give. And this is the part that hits even deeper for me. We also find out what kind of friends we are when a friend can't give anything to us. A faithful friend loves at all times. A faithful friend sticks closer than a brother in every season. And last characteristic is this, thoughtful. A true friend is thoughtful. Crucial, faithful, and thoughtful. And when I'm saying thoughtful, you could also use the word careful. Might be a better word even. But what I, what I mean here is the, the way that faithfulness we just talked about expresses itself in how we talk to each other as friends. I'll show you what I mean. Let's look to chapter 27 of Proverbs. Chapter 27. Chapter 27, let's look at verses 5 and 6 together. God's word says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. A true friend is thoughtful and careful about what he or she says to their friends. And in verse 5, better is open rebuke than hidden love. 
He's saying that giving your friend an honest correction about something they need to change is better than not saying anything at all because you think it's more loving to stay quiet. This is hard. These are the things where true friendship is put to the test. You realize there's something you need to bring attention, bring to your friend's attention that needs to be corrected them. And, and this is not a license for us all just to start throwing corrections out all over the place. We want to do this humbly and gently, knowing we need it just as much as our friends need it. But sometimes we say, well, I love them, and so I don't want to say anything to them about that. But he says, open, better is open rebuke than hidden love. So when we say, I love, them to tell too, I love them too much to tell them the truth, what that means is, actually, I love myself too much to tell them the truth. Because I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to look bad to them. I don't want to, whatever your reason is. It's often focused on ourselves. And so we need to thoughtfully and carefully be willing to point out weaknesses in each other. Now, if you're a friend that only points out weaknesses and never brings encouragement and gratitude to your friend, you're not being a good friend. We want to do both. And he says in verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. It's the difference between loving words and unloving words. A friend that genuinely cares for you is willing to tell you something even if it's hard for you to hear. Someone who only tells you what, what you want to hear, they're not your friend. He says they're your enemy because they're not helping you see how you need to grow. They don't love you. So these characteristics, crucial and faithful and thoughtful, do these characteristics describe what you think a good friend is? If we would have had a little pre-service test this morning that as you came in, you wrote down what you think a good friend is, give, give me three or four things that describe a good friend. Would any of these have made your list? More important than that, do these characteristics describe the kind of friend you are? In which of these areas do you need to grow in the most? If you don't hear anything else that I say this morning, I would love for you to hear this. Because I, I want to bookend this section by, by saying a similar thing. That you immediately heard these and you, you felt the pull to start thinking about your friends and which of them are good at these and which of them aren't. But pause that and just think about who you are as a friend. Because the way to have good and true friends is to be a good and true friend. We all sit and think, oh, I just wish I had better friends or I wish I had a friend. And I understand that pull and that longing and that desire. But the way to have true friends is to be a true friend like this. And it might, what's hard about that is it might not end up, it might not result in the friendships you have in your mind right now that you want. But if you start embodying this kind of character, the Lord will bring you the friendships that you need and that I need. And all of this leads us to, last part this morning is the goal of true friendship. The goal of true friendship. 
And I end here because it would be really easy for us to just stop right here and say, okay, go do this. You've heard the verses. You've seen the instructions. You've heard the different characteristics of friendship. So let's just go do it. Be this. Live this out. But God doesn't just give us commands for how he wants us to live. He also gives us the strength and power to follow those commands. That comes from him as well. And the beautiful thing about true friendship is that true friendship doesn't come from just focusing on friendship. That's because true friendship is not mainly about friendship. We will not experience true friendship by fixing our attention on friendship. It will come from fixing our attention on our King and Savior, Jesus Christ. You will not be molded into a true friend, and I will not be molded into a true friend, if we just fix our mind on, okay, i got to make myself a good friend. We become good friends by looking to Christ, who is the true friend. He's the one who gives us the power and the example to be the friend that we need to be. We're going to see this in John 15, all the way in the New Testament. So turn there with me. It's a passage that's been guiding our worship service this morning. John chapter 15. Move far to the right if you're not familiar with where the book of John is. John chapter 15, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. And we're going to pick up in verse 13. John chapter 15, as we come to this verse here, let's remember Jesus is saying these things on the night before he's about to die on the cross. These are his, some of his final words that he's saying, the night before he's going to die. And here's part of what he says to his disciples. John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus explains the gospel here in terms of friendship. It may sound strange or even irreverent to some of you to think about being friends with Jesus. To some of you, it might just sound, well, that's just kind of like, hokey and cheesy. To others of you, it may sound like we don't talk about Jesus that way because he's the king of the universe. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's present everywhere. He created all things. He's given us every breath we're taking right now. You can't just talk about being buddies with Jesus. That's the exact truth that makes this so incredible, that he would call us friends. He says in verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. The greatest expression of love, Jesus says, is sacrificing yourself for your friends. The very thing he was going to do just a few hours from when he spoke these words. On the cross, Jesus lost his friendship with God so that you and I could gain friendship with God. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that you and I could be welcomed in to the family of God. He was forsaken so that we could be befriended. And he died on the cross. This is what is so powerful about this, is that he died on the cross not just to pardon us as enemies, 
He didn't say, okay, I'm down on the cross, your sins are forgiven, but you just kind of hang out over here in the corner. I forgive you, yes, we're fine, but just hang out over here. He forgives us and then welcomes us to the table as his friends, as his family. And so the promise of the gospel is a promise of friendship with God. And all who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ are welcomed as friends of God. He is the faithful friend. There's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. There's a friend that loves at all times. And Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And being given friendship with God through Jesus is what frees us to be the friends we need to be. Because we no longer find our main identity in our human friendships with each other. You felt this pull. Elementary school, middle school, high school, college, it doesn't go away when you become an adult. You feel this pull of, oh, those people are hanging out, and I didn't get invited, or I want to be friends with them so bad, but they don't want to seem to want to be friends with me. When you realize I have friendship through Jesus with the creator and king of the universe, and you rest in that, it makes you a better friend because then you're friends with people for their good, not just for you, because you're satisfied in Christ. And this is what leads us to truly love other people, which is why Jesus says in chapter 15, verse 12, uh, verse 12 right before he talks about friends, he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus essentially says, love one another as friends the way I've loved you as friends. God's plan of salvation doesn't only restore our vertical relationship with God. It also creates these new horizontal relationships of loving friendships between people. Faith in Jesus Christ should radically transform the type of friend we are. That's why I keep saying friendship is a mark of our faith. And this is the goal of true friendship, to love each other as Christ has loved us. So what does that mean for us as a church? Well, it means the foundation of our friendship is not cultural, it's not social, it's spiritual. So the question for us then is, do our interactions with one another reflect that? Would someone be able to look at our friendships and listen to what we talk about with our friends and listen to what we laugh about with our friends and listen to what watch what we do with our friends, and see in our friendships that Christ is our foundation. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't ever talk about the game or you can't ever talk about that movie and you only ever talk about the Bible. It's not what that means. That would be fake. But it does mean there is something about our friendships that makes them different from friendships of those who don't know Christ. And may the world see something different in our friendships that makes them want to know Christ. Doesn't doesn't Jesus say, the world will will know you are my disciples by your love for one another? It is not a stretch for us to translate that in a way that says, the world will know whether or not you follow me by what your friendships look like, by the type of friend you are, because Jesus is the beginning of our friendships, and he's the goal of our friendships. 
So I hope by now you can see this is not just a topic for Sesame Street. This is not just a topic for Mr. Rogers. This is not just a topic for Daniel Tiger. It's something for all of us. Because what we have to keep in mind is it's really common among churches and among Christians to talk about community, but we don't talk a lot about friendships. Community is easier to talk about than friendships because friendship is more personal. We can't have a strong church community without strong friendships. A church with deep and healthy community is most likely a place where each of us go deep with a handful of other people. And you say, well, that just turns into a bunch of cliques. That's not, that's not the case. We can't all be best close friends with everybody. That's a man of many companions. 